Uh, now, the last time I was here, uh, we were here in Exodus. We finished a mini-series on the sovereignty of God in relation to the 10th plague. What's the 10th plague again? Death of the... We had our family camp. I asked that. Well, what's the 10th plague? I don't know, what's the, not, not the 10th plague, but uh, the 9th plague. Death of the first fall. 10th plague. The last and final plague in the book of Exodus. The death of the first fall. So what, I, what I'm going to do, I'm going to quickly review that since we've had a long break from this, a week break on this. So hopefully you still remember this uh, review. Hopefully uh, we get on the same page before get to today's message. Uh, so I began that series on the sovereignty of God by asking the question, why would God resort to such an extreme plague? Why the tenth plague? Why the death of the firstborn, especially when it involved the death of children? The answer to that question led us to the sovereignty of God, especially when it comes to the choices that he makes. I said that Ultimately, God will do what he needs to do in order for his will to be accomplished. In this case, God chose not to show mercy to Pharaoh, who was ultimately responsible for those deaths, including the death of his own son. Because he continuously did what? He hardened his own heart and would not submit to God. Now, by doing this, by God choosing not to show Mercy to Pharaoh, God accomplished his will. What's his will? To save his people. In the context of Exodus, it was the Israelites. In our context, who are God's people? Those who believe and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. That's his will. That's God's will. He did what he needed to do in order to accomplish that. So in the 10th plague, we saw that God will save those whom he chooses to save. And that choice is his own to make. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 9, who are we to question? Who, who are we, the clay, to question the potter? His choice, or the choices that he makes as far as salvation goes. As far as God is concerned, when it comes to his choices, there is nothing that can influence choice. Only himself. He's the only influence so when it comes to his choice. That's why I said God's choices are self-determined. There's no influence to it. Doesn't consult anybody else. Does it on his own free will. I also said that in God's sovereignty, the choices that he makes are also governed by his own wisdom, his own justice, his own mercy and his own grace. Right? The sovereignty of God means that only God can govern his choices in order to accomplish his own will. Nothing else. We all agree to that, hopefully. Okay? So if you're asking yourself now, that I've been asked this question before, so what happens to the children that died during the 10th plague? Where would, where would they be? Who says, since they're Egyptians, they're sinners, they're probably in hell. Who says that? 
The Bible talks about that too, right? All have sinned and fallen short. So did the children that died during the 10th plague go to hell? Well, my answer to that be, well, you know what? Since God is sovereign, it's up to him. It's up to God to save these children that died during the 10th plague from eternal punishment. Because ultimately, when we talk about the sovereignty of God, what we mean is that what God says goes. And he's the one who chooses who to save, right? So he can save anybody he wants. Saved us. So when it comes to those people, or when it comes to people like uh, committed suicide, or, you know, in the Catholic uh, thinking, when you commit suicide, there's no way that God will forgive that. <laughs> That's the unforgivable sin. But who are we to say that? It is God who chooses. It is God who saves. So who are we to judge whether or not somebody is going to hell or not? I believe we should always err on the side of grace instead of judgment because we're not judges. That's not our role. Our role is to share the gospel, tell them, people, how to, uh, uh, what it is that, who God is and, and believe in him so that they, they can be saved. We're not supposed to determine whether or not they go to hell or not. At the same time, when you share the gospel to somebody, it's not like you saved them. God saves. God's sovereign. He will save those whom he wants to save. Uh, and again, that's according to his mercy, grace, justice, and his free will. He's able to save those whom he chooses to save. Now, uh, having said that, uh, that God is sovereign, I also said that human beings are still ultimately responsible for your actions. It's not that God is the one who is in control and sovereign and ruling over the whole universe. That means, you know, we're not responsible. We can't be held accountable for our actions. We are. Choices that we make are our own choices. God being sovereign does not mean that he makes our decisions for us. You make your own. You're autonomous beings who are free to choose. But what I said two weeks ago, being sinful human beings and living in a sinful, broken world, our choices are always governed not only by, by our own tainted wisdom and will, but also by everything else that surrounds us. You, you, you think about that, right? All the choices that you make in this world are predetermined choices. It's not like you make your own choice and that freedom is absolutely like free like God is to make a choice because all the choices that you have are predetermined. Somebody else decided where, whether or not you can, you know, eat a burger or a hot dog. What's the choice between pop, Pepsi, or Coke? Who determined that? Did you make your own brand of pop? No. <laughs> Somebody else predetermined your choices. All of those things in this sin, living in this sinful world influences the choices that we make. Even the weather influences the choices that we make, right? And I said that being in this state at you, as human beings, ultimately, uh, we don't have the freedom of the will the way God does. Uh, 
We're not sovereign <laughs> over that. We can't make our will happen apart from ourselves and apart from the choices that we need to make in order to make our will happen. Right? In Romans 9, Paul used the example of Pharaoh. Because God chose not to show mercy to Pharaoh, how did Pharaoh act? Pharaoh acted out his own will. And what is his will? Not to submit to God. Because God didn't interfere by his mercy, through his grace. Pharaoh chose to harden his own heart before God. And what happened? Plagues happened after that. And again, this was Pharaoh's own decisions. God did not harden Pharaoh's soft heart. It's not like Pharaoh was good and God chose to harden him. That's not what happened. His heart was already hard and he chose to continue to harden it despite the warnings. How many warnings? Ten. Some of us have gotten more than that. Amen? Despite ten warnings, Pharaoh chose to do his will. Why? Because he's a sinner at heart. We're the same. And if God was to only to allow us to our own ways, we'd make a mess of our lives. Made a mess of half of my life. <laughs> We're hard-headed people. We're stubborn people. That's who we are. Now, having said that, this morning we're going to be taking a look at another aspect of the account of the 10th plague found in Exodus. I don't know if you've read it. Who's read the account of the 10th plague, chapter 12? Well, end of 11 all the way to the end of 12. Who's read it? You should really read. Choose to read. <laughs> you know, don't come here with a blank slate. Read so that you'll know what we are discussing, okay? And it's not like it's long. It's a few verses. So there's another thing in there that doesn't talk about the actual plague. What am I talking about? What's the title of the message for today? The Sovereignty of God, what? Passover edition. Because if you read chapter 12, the beginning of chapter 12 deals with the account of the Passover. Right? You guys see that in your Bibles? You ever question why that is? That's what we're going to take up this morning. Okay? My purpose for this uh, message and the succeeding ones after this is to see how the sovereignty of God this time relates to the salvation of the Israelites. Right? First, we took up the sovereignty of God in relation to this 10th plague. Now we're going to take up salvation, the sovereignty of God in relation to the salvation of the Israelites also found in the account of the 10th plague. Clear? Okay. So I'm going to share with you some observations about the account of the first Passover and then unpack how that points to the salvation by faith through Jesus Christ found in the New Testament. You ready? Some of you are ready to sleep. I know it's a long weekend. You can sleep tomorrow. You can sleep all day. Well, not everybody's off, right? So, anyway, you guys ready? First observation when it comes to the sovereignty of God in relation to the salvation of the Israelites. Notice, 
After Moses spoke to Pharaoh and warned Pharaoh about the final plague, where? At the end of chapter 11. Okay? If you look at your Bibles, at the end of chapter 11, Moses goes up to Pharaoh and he says what? Starting in verse 4, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of all the cattle. There was a warning. Just like all the other plagues that we've taken up so far, there's always a warning. He said that, and usually... The first nine plagues, after the warning, and Pharaoh says, I'm going to harden my heart, what happens next? Plague comes. But this time, at the end of chapter 11 was the warning, but at the start of chapter 12, what does it say? 12 verse 1, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take, the, shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the whole congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorsteps and the lintel of the houses in which they eat in. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner, you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Why that after the warning? You ever question yourself? You ever question that? It should have went, it should have went straight to um, chapter 12, verse 29. After the warning, it should have been chapter 12, verse 29, the description of the 10th plague. Why all those verses in between? Why the Passover? That's the first observation. Right? Now, why is that important? Why is that significant? Well, it's interesting because of what the Passover is. Okay, what is the Passover? You all, you all know, but I'm going to review it anyway. In Hebrew, the original word used for Passover in chapter 12 is the word Pasach. Pasach, which means to what? To skip or to omit. What does omit mean? Skip, omit, take out. <laughs> right? That's what it means. That's what Passover means, to skip or omit. The Passover that we and the Jews know today, that was instituted by God here in chapter 12. Right now, when we talk about Passover, we're talking about celebration, right? In the Jewish 
sense. It's a celebration. It's a celebration in remembrance of what? Of the original Passover. When it first was instituted by God. When? During the 10th plague. Right? And God, the, what, what are they celebrating? What are they, you know, what are they remembering? It's when God skipped, omitted the homes of the Israelites that had, that had the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. It's interesting. Okay? They celebrated for the freedom that they experienced during the time of the Exodus. We celebrated for something else. And it's interesting um, because if we, because um, of the transition, right? Again, why would the author of Exodus put the Passover in between the warning and the actual plague? Why not just go straight to the plague? Just like all the other nine plagues. Right? What's interesting about it is this is the first time that God had to give the Israelites instructions in order for them to be saved from a coming plague. That's why it's interesting. God had to give Israelites instruction in order for the Israelites to be saved from the coming plague. Has he ever done that during our study of the plagues? No. If you can still remember, in almost every plague, the Israelites were just automatically spared by God. No instructions. God never said, oh, flies are coming. Go get your fly suits get some fly traps, you know, stay out of each. None of that. This is the only one that God had to give them instructions to be saved or set apart from the coming plagues. Except for the first two plagues, the Israelites were just spared, set apart by God so that the plagues of the gnats, the plagues of the flies, the death of livestock, the plague of boils, the plague of hail, the plague of locusts, and the plague of darkness did not affect any of the Israelites. But in the 10th, after warning Pharaoh, God also warned his people and told them something is coming and do this so that you will be spared from it told them that the plague would not come into their homes if they, what, kill the lamb or goat, put the blood on their doorposts. Why? Think about it. The purpose of that plague is to kill all firstborn. But here it is, in the land of Egypt. Where were the Israelites staying at this time? Were they in the land of Egypt? They were in Goshen. So they should have been spared. Because God said specifically, kill all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. And if you think about all the other plagues, the reason why they were set apart, set separate, is because they were in Goshen. Now it's still a miracle how some flies never got to Goshen. I don't know if you've had flies in your home before. They're everywhere. You can't tell them, just stay in the basement or just stay. You can't, right? So it's still a miracle. But they're in the land of Goshen. And the plague is supposed to come in 
Egypt. Why does God have to tell them, oh, you have to do this in order to be spared from the plague? You ever thought about that? They had to obey. They had to apply the Passover <laughs> in order to be spared. They were not automatically spared. Why is that? If you translate it into our situation today, you see why. Right? The plague of the Passover, the 10th plague, applies to everyone. Even the Israelites. So think about this. If there were Israelites in those days, after Moses warned them in the beginning of 12, and they said, no, we're Israelites. We're safe. We're good. You don't have to put the blood. Or... What do you think would have happened to them? You think God would have said, oh, there's Israelites in there. I know. Because he's all-knowing. He's sovereign. So let's just pass over that. Would God have that? No. At the same time, if any Egyptians overheard Moses talking to the Israelites saying, okay, everybody, at midnight, you have to kill a lamb, eat it, roast it, put the blood on your doorpost. What if an Egyptian heard that and did it? Would they have been saved? Or what God said, no, 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 you can't trick me. I know Egyptians are in there. So you're all going, well, not all, but the firstborn is still going to die. I don't care if you put the blood. Think God would have done that? No, right? It would have been just, remember, God's not just loving and graceful and great gracious and merciful it's also just you know what just means to make it to make something right that's why you ask for justice whenever you you're wronged would god have done even if they even if an egyptian put put the blood on their doorpost no god would have honored his word right because that's what god said anybody who does not have the blood, that's the prerequisite. Anybody who does not have the blood, your firstborn will die. And what, why is that so important? Because the firstborn is the continuation of your lineage. And in that, those days, that was very important. The birthright, very important. That's why Pharaoh's son was killed. You get what God was trying to do there? That's for next week, by the way. But think about it, right? Or let's say... Uh, an Egyptian was having dinner at an Israelite's home when the Passover came. <laughs> would that person, and that Egyptian was a firstborn, would that Egyptian would have been saved? If he was in the home of an Israelite with the blood on the post? Yes. That's very important. And ultimately, very important because of the 10th plague and what it represents. The 10th plague and the Passover that was instituted because of it 
is ultimately is pointing to a greater reality when it comes to the state of man and the salvation coming from God. This has everything to do with the mini-series that we just had on the sovereignty of God and when it, when it comes to man's responsibility. Right? Again, ultimately, human beings are unable to surrender themselves to God. We saw it through the example of Pharaoh. After 10 warnings, he never changed his mind when it comes to hardening his heart. He continued. In fact, the more the plagues came, the more he hardened his heart. And that's so true when it comes to us, right? The more somebody talks to us about a certain thing that we shouldn't do, the more we want to do it. That's why I don't talk to people about dieting. <laughs> because I'm just going to end up discouraging them. They're going to think I'm nagging. I don't nag my wife about it. It has to come from her. Because that's just the nature of human beings, right? The more we say no, the more you restrict, the more you want to do it. In Tagalog, habang pinipigil, lalong nanggigig. Whatever is wrong, that's what we want to do. Whatever is being restricted, that's what we want to do. But what happened to Eve? Well, not just Eve. Adam and Eve. God said, don't do this. And then somebody whispered to them, no, there's nothing wrong with that. They end up doing it. That's why we're here. That's just the nature of human beings. We're not automatically in our good nature or, or the goodness inside of us just going to surrender to God. None of us are like that. Like I said before, every human being's ultimate will is the pursuit of happiness. We want to be happy. And when we look at God, that's not it. That's not going to make me happy. This other stuff will. And we were talking about that in, in our Sunday school. Why is it that man just won't surrender? Why, why do we keep on going the wrong way? Why does it say in Jeremiah 2, verse 13, and I, we talked about this during Sunday school. What does Jeremiah 2, verse 13 say? Those of you who memorize. Or those of you who have their Bibles open, can you, can you read it? I was just sharing this to the Sunday school. Oh, there. Just read it. Can you read? How we like that? You know, the context of Jeremiah when he was warning the Israelites about the coming, uh, uh, coming plague coming, right? He was warning them here, right? And God said before this, these verses, haven't I shown enough? Like, didn't I? What, what, have you have, what have you got against me? God said. 
I took you out of Egypt. I brought you to the promised land. I gave you everything that I promised. And yet, you still commit two evils against me. What are the two evils? They what? They forsaken him, the fountain of living waters. And what did they do? Hewed out for themselves broken cisterns that doesn't hold any water. What does that mean? They have this water, endless water coming, but they preferred, chose to make out broken pots that when you put water, it leaks out so that they have to keep putting water over and over and over again. They preferred that over the fountain of living on endless water. And Jeremiah calls that, or God says that that's evil. So when we talk about us as human beings not being able to surrender to God, it's because of that, because we are evil. And evil doesn't mean that you have fangs or, you know, you scare people or you murder people. Or, that's not what evil means. Evil is preferring anything else over God. That's evil in the sight of God. Why? Because he knows he is the best thing for you. Meanwhile, we're so foolish, we still choose Okay, those of you who want their free will, this is what your free will does. You will choose broken cisterns. And we do it all the time. Uh, we, uh, one of our elders gave a good example. Right? Instead of just trusting God's direction and uh, trusting God's ways, his wisdom, knowing that he is the fountain of living water, one of our elders gave the example. He was going to, I think he was going home. Were you going home? Coming home. There was traffic on the 401. He was using Waze. Those of you who use Waze or Google, Google Maps. It tells you to avoid traffic, right? But no. Our elder knows more. Right? Don't just laugh at him. All of us are like this. I know more. I don't need GPS. I think the side roads will be better. Guess what? Everybody else thought that way. So everybody else was taking the side road. It was more traffic on the side road. Aren't we like that? Somebody um, defined GPS as, um, you know how, what's, what's the meaning of GPS? Global positioning system. Somebody uh, changed it and it says, God's plan of salvation. GPS, God's plan of salvation. A lot of us, when we look at God's plan of salvation, we look at the gospel, we look at the Proverbs, 